Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time for Tales of Terror, only on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. The following presentation is a production of 63 Audio and the Narada Radio Company, a proud member of the Mutual Audio Network. Do you dare to go down into the cellar? The Cellar, starring the Narada Radio Company, and hosted by Cadavera Quivery. Come on down, fiends! <laughs> A cadaverous here waiting for you. Yes, I need a plus one to go to this big party at a haunted disco. It's sure to be simply full of things going bump in the night. <laughs> oh, I remember the last time I went out dancing. Was it the 1870s? N- no, sorry, the 1970s. <laughs> I wore platform shoes that were so high. Oh, I could have swung a noose from them. You know how they say that location is king? Well, this place was built right next to the town cemetery, and people are killing each other to get in. (laughs) Oh, oh, so you can't go with me? Mm, That's too bad, darlings. But you stay here with Rodrigo and listen to our latest tale from my great big book. I have something divine for you. Devilishly divine. We travel a few years into the future. We've never done that before, have we? And I'm afraid it's not a bright, shiny future, my dears. <laughs> Oops, I don't want to give the plot away. Our storyteller is Dr. Rebecca Colley, a scientist who was hired by some military minds to develop a never-before-heard-of weapon. Let's listen in, shall we?
Public Social Media Pod Station, WDC 620. Location, Marty's Diner, Washington, D.C. Enter access code. Access code accepted. Welcome, Rebecca Colley. Please choose from the following selection. 1. Record post. 2. Random post listen. 3. Search posts by name. 4. Search posts by topic. 5. Trending. You have selected 1. Record post. Begin recording at the tone. Who is Collie? Who is Collie? Member after member of the group has fallen away, dead from hunger, exposure, thirst, yet um, yet this question remains. Who is Collie? My memory is fading, but, but I remember things. Titanic splendours, inhuman experiences, exertions beyond the scope of imagination, a, a great, incredible enterprise, a, a tremendous urge to construct something vaster than myself. Who is Collie? Out the window of this this restaurant I, I see the monolith towering up, up, up and until it seems to, to split the sky. Far off on the flat horizon a, a second one towers into the heavens and at the very limit of visibility I, I can see still another. Who could have built these structures? Who? <sighs> Dim memory begins to flicker in in a part of my brain which has not been destroyed. The monoliths. There was an antiphase, but this time humanity had been welded together permanently. We could not flee from each other, did not even want to. The, the repulsion had taken a, a new direction, had been transferred group after group over the face of the globe. Our minds had flowed into each other's to, to become fused into a single supermind. That mind, compelled by the wills that composed it, had built the monoliths, and as cells in a single body are shed as they are expended, so did the humans who composed the supermind. It had used them mercilessly, Sleepless, mindless, tireless, they had laboured and they had been expended. <sighs> Who is Collie? End recording. Recording saved. Please choose from the following selection. 1. Record post. 2. Random post listen. 3. Search post by name. 4. Search posts by topic. 5. Trending. You have selected 2. Random post listen. Accessing recording. Recorded at station ATG 3100. Location Greyhound Public Transport Depot. Atlanta, Georgia. Posted by Lavinia Johnson. This is Vinnie Johnson, and I operate a vertical personnel transport car in the Martin Luther King Jr. Federal Building downtown. I don't know what happened. When I started work this morning, I loved them. I loved them all. Father Glorious, my pastor at Solid Rock Church, was so right. Love is the golden key that unlocks the heart of each and every one of God's creatures. One of the ladies that ride my car every day said the nicest thing to me yesterday. She said, Vinny, you're the little girl with the big friendly smile. <laughs> that is a nice thing to think about. If you love people, they'll never hurt you. It just goes to show. 
Anyway, I was letting people into the car, telling them like I always do, to watch your step, watch your step, and trying to put the love that Father Glorious was always talking about into my voice. My shift was almost over, and I only had a couple more runs to make. There were plenty of people in the car, all of them going down, going home. A little girl with her mama started to cry, and I tried to radiate love abounding out to her. As the car moved closer to the ground floor, I felt a sudden sharp stab of pain in my head. I felt sick for a moment and almost fell over. I looked around, hoping nobody would notice. I could get fired if I took sick. It had taken me a long time to get this job. All of a sudden, everybody looked white. Fish belly white, looking like they were scared. And quiet. Not a whisper in the car, even the little girl. They were all pushed back against the walls of the car like they were trying to get as far away from each other as possible. Was something terrible going to happen, I thought? An earthquake? A a hurricane? The car arrived on the ground floor and I opened the door. As it slid open, I felt a weird sensation, so very strong and like I never felt before in my life. It felt like my mind wanted to fall over inside my brain, but it was like, who am I? Who is... What? But but then my mind stood up again. Get out, I shouted at those passengers. Get out, all of you, you just get out right now. But they'd already started moving out before I even started saying all that. And as they left, they all avoided each other, trying their best not to touch as they went through the door. And while everybody usually saunters off in the direction of the front door, this time they all ran off in all different directions. I looked after them like they'd all lost their minds, but then I remembered how I talked to them. I knew I was bound to get fired for that, and it was so hard to get a job these days. I started to cry and sat down on the floor of the car, bawling my eyes out. I felt like I had gone crazy, and my head still hurt so bad. What had come over me? It was terrible, so terrible. But underneath it all, it was wonderful. It was like the peace of God that Father Glorious was always talking about, not to have anybody near me. It was wonderful to be alone in the car. End of random post. Please choose from the following selection. 1. Record post. 2. But fly our paths, our feverish contact fly. For strong the infection of our mental strife, which, though it gives no bliss, yet spoils for rest. And we should win thee from thy own fair life, like us distracted, and like us unblessed. Soon, soon thy cheer would die. Thy hopes grow timorous and unfixed to thy powers, and thy clear aims be cross and shifting made. And then thy glad perennial youth would fade, fade and grow old at last, and die like ours. Quiet, please, gentlemen. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Carley, will you please answer the question? I'm sorry, sir, gentlemen, but I don't understand the bearing of your question. I don't believe the device could possibly be used as a weapon. Never mind that, Dr. Carley. That is our problem, not yours. But can we take it that the description here on the wall screen from your article published in ScienciaNova.com is substantially correct? Yes, sir, as far as it goes. I must say I'm disappointed, gentlemen. I had understood that the effect was to make them fight. They don't fight? Um, no, sir. I, I don't think it would be possible to make the animals fight. You, you see, in order to fight, they'd, they'd have to come into contact with one another, and that's, well, that's just what they don't want to do. The effect is not 
to cause hostility, but a, a strong, really a, a very strong mutual repulsion. See, they behave like, like bodies with the, the same electrical charge. A moment ago, you said the account in the Internet article was correct as far as it went. Do you mean that you've made additional experiments since? Have you tried your invention on the higher animals? It's not an invention. I, I beg your pardon, sir, but I have, as yet, no clear idea of how the effects are produced. Um, yes, I, I have made a number of experiments with mammals, including three rhesus monkeys. All right, all right. And what was the result? I, I don't want to generalize without more data, but... But it looks as if there might be a relationship between the frequencies to which an animal would respond and the degree of its cortical development. I got no result at all, for example, with the, the lower frequencies, the frequencies to which the lizards had responded. Higher frequencies, they, well, they had the, the usual effect. <coughs> you mean you got the monkeys to fight? No, sir, they, they didn't fight. No, what they did was, was break open their cage. <laughs> Now, I still don't know how they managed it. It was reinforced steel mesh. So one of the monkeys just stayed in the cage. I found another at the other end of the laboratory, as far from the cage as she could get. The third monkey, the one we called Rita, got out of the lap somehow. She must have, she must have hurt herself doing it. There was considerable bleeding. I don't know where she went. We, we haven't been able to locate her yet. Can Dr. Kali tell us whether this mutual repulsion is permanent? Until two days ago, sir, I should not have been able to answer that question, but on Thursday I observed that the phase of repulsion had been succeeded in their guinea pigs by an antiphase in which the social instincts were considerably exaggerated. When one of them was taken away from the group, it, it showed marked distress and well, it attempted to bite. Most interesting. That removes the final objection, to my mind. Of course, I, I can't say how long this antiphase may last or, or what might succeed it, but... You may go now, Dr. Colley. These soldiers will escort you to your uh, new laboratory. NYB-119. Location, E.Z. Clean, Washateria, Brooklyn, New York. Enter access code. Access code accepted. Welcome, Tanya Shapiro. Please choose from the following selection. 1. Record post. 2. Random post listen. 3. Search post by name. 4. Search post by topic. 5. Trending. You have selected 1. Record post. <laughs> Begin recording at the tone. <laughs> I am the worst mother in the world. I want to scream. I want to throw myself out the window. I wanted to take a knife and kill myself. I still do. <laughs> the baby had started to cry. We'd only come home from the hospital two days ago. The baby and me. He was so tiny, but a fighter. I looked at the wall clock and decided maybe he was hungry. I started unbuttoning my blouse as I walked down the hall to his crib. I picked him up and he stopped crying right away. I said sweet things to him. Little apple, mama's little man, like that. I couldn't even get all the words out when I felt a stabbing pain in the back of my head. I looked down at the baby and saw a drop of blood on his diaper. And I realized it had come from my nose. At the same time, he started squalling at the top of his lungs, squirming, arching his little body, trying to get away from me. 
I tried to speak, tried to say, hush, hush, little blossom, but the words wouldn't come out. I had to let him go, but I couldn't let him go. My mind was fighting with my maternal instinct. My face broke out in a sweat mingled with the drops of blood. Finally, though, I just dropped him, let him go. He landed on the pillows in his crib and stopped crying right away, but just stared at me. I stood there for another minute fighting with myself, trying to will myself to pick him up, to comfort him. But without knowing it, I was also backing out of the room. Once I realized I was across the door sill, I ran! I ran away from my baby! <laughs> I know I need to go back! He needs his mama! Dr. Rebecca Colley speaking from my lab in the Pentagon, reporting my observations regarding the repulsion projector on this, the second day since it was activated. It is my opinion that it is very unlikely, almost impossible, that what is happening in Washington is an isolated case. The, uh, the military had been aiming at a particular target area, unknown to me of course, but the projector had been overpowered and... I had tried to warn them about that, but that a, a too powerful beam was dangerous. The resulting backlash from the projector had enveloped the entire Washington area. I believe, however, that most of the rest of the globe was affected first. It had sounded like a, a humane weapon. After all, military opposition cannot exist when human beings are unable to tolerate one another's proximity. But I can't help but surmise that the effects of this new weapon will turn out to be more dreadful than the plagues of the Middle Ages. See, plague fear had sent humans fleeing from one another, but even in their panic they had acted in twos and threes. Affection, fidelity or self-interest had bound them to each other, but now... Now every person flees from every person. Instinctive self-preservation motivates their repulsion. In one of my experiments with the prototype projector, I, I forcibly placed the affected lab animals near one another. Now, in every case, they died. Later dissections showed great changes had taken place in the brain itself, lesions that had been caused by this proximity. If I sit tight, I might be able to get along until the antiphase sets in. The, uh, the rhesus monkeys had exhibited a strongly marked antiphase, so uh, humans could be expected to do so too. But um, while I am engaged in sitting tight, what will be happening to, to everyone else? Oh, I can't sit this one out. This situation is, is too much my fault. I, I feel sick at the thought of approaching a fellow human, even, even while my social instinct is as strong as ever. I know, I know that it's unlikely that I'll be able to help very much, but I still feel an obligation to try to do what I can. It's not surprising that different people get affected differently by the mutual repulsion beam. There's a, a rifleman down at the end of the hall there. I, I know he won't come after me, but I, I can't even stick my head out of the lab door without him trying to shoot me. I certainly don't harbour a grudge against a soldier down the hall. If if I had a gun, I, I'd be shooting at anyone who tried to come near me. The, um, the presence of the gunman, however, means that I'll have to try some other way of getting out of here. There's a, a back door, but the, the corridors are unfamiliar to me. The Pentagon remains a confusing maze after all this time. Still, 
I haven't heard any shooting or, or noise coming from that direction. I'm packing a canvas bag with a with a number of items that might be useful for my protection. Uh, a few scalpels and lancets and a, a single flask of chloroform. I have some water, but not much, and hope to find more elsewhere. The only food I have is, is a partly eaten box of saltine crackers left behind by my assistant before she ran off to, to God knows where. End transmission. Public social media pod. Station QCA9604. Location Timorton Café. Ville de Québec, Québec. Enter access code. Access code accepted. Bienvenue, François Renault. Please choose from the following selection. Numéro 1. Record post. Numéro 2. Random post listen. Numéro 3. Search post by name. Numéro 4. Search post by topic. Numéro 5. Trending. You have selected numéro 1. Record post. Begin recording at the tone. <gasps> Oh, my sweet Mary, will I ever see you again? For this to happen, whatever it was, on our wedding day. So pretty, But what could I do? Oh, we were so close together in the hotel suite. I held one of her hands in mine, kissing tenderly the tips of each finger, the soft, sweet palm the spot where her new wedding band rested on her finger. I whispered, To Mame? She looked up at me with shining eyes and brought her right hand up to rest on my cheek. Francois, she whispered back, To say. She raised her sweet lips to mine and we kissed. In a rush of passion, I told her to take off her jacket. She laughed and reached up to the top button, smiling at me teasingly. When she reached the fourth button down, I took her once more into my arms. <gasps> and as if in a flash, we both drew back away from each other. Marie's jaw dropped. She reached out her hand toward me, but let it fall. I was bewildered. I said something like, I, what? Marie! I forced myself to reach out to her, to touch her shoulder with one fingertip. <gasps> ah, she jerked away from the contact as if I had burned her. For another moment we stood, staring at each other. Marie's palms were pressed desperately at her temples, and I too felt a sharp pain in my head. My throat went dry. I could only croak. I don't understand. You are still so beautiful. After I said this, Marie turned and ran to the bathroom, slamming the door behind her. I heard the boat slide home as I too ran. <laughs> then fly our greetings. Fly our speech and smiles, as some grave Tyrian trader from the sea, discreet at sunrise and emerging prow, lifting the cool-haired creepers stealthily, the fringes of a southward-facing brow, among the Aegean Isles, and saw the merry Grecian coaster come, freighted with amber grapes and Chian wine, green, bursting figs and tunnies steeped in brine, and knew the intruders on his ancient home. Rebecca Colley, continuing my earlier notes on a handheld digital recorder as I make my way through the, the deserted corridors of the Pentagon. If it was physically possible to kick myself as I attempt this escape, I'd be, I'd be doing it now. So this damn device was my idea, and, and what has happened is, is partly my fault. 
I'd really tried hard to come up with a humane weapon. The basic aim behind the research task they'd set me had been laudable, and the problem... Oh, the problem was very interesting. Oh, but the military mind... The, the military mind tended to be a mixture of hidebound conservatism and... and... Uh, uh, and solo recklessness. It was like... It was like hitching a jet plane to an ox cart and, and still not knowing which one would predominate the other. Oh, if only the people over me had waited. Waited until I'd had time to test and, and, and check. Of course they'd been in a hurry and, and hadn't had imagination enough. Well, to be fair, perhaps no one could have had to, to foresee what would happen. They'd come up with... With this? At the bottom of the staircase I found a bottle of Kentucky bourbon. Mostly full, left behind by a, a middle echelon army officer, no doubt. The big brass always had scotch to my memory. Maybe a drink would help me to control my... My shaking. Oh God, my body was craving that drink. I'm, uh, I'm starting to feel better, almost. Uh, Stopped shaking. The remainder of the bourbon is in my bag. I thought my watch had stopped, but um, still going. It just seems impossible that it was only yesterday when one of my assistants, Merrily, had, had pressed her hands to her head and then bolted from the lab. The other two assistants had been out on errands, and of course they, they never came back. Well, never came back is, is rather melodramatic. Mm. No doubt they're somewhere safe and sound, provided the rifleman in the corridor didn't shoot them. Uh, I've reached the, uh, the street level and I'm staring at the emergency exit door, but just a, a few minutes ago I, I was coming down the last set of steps when I, I put my foot wrong and I nearly fell. I righted myself quickly enough, but I've, I've wrenched my ankle pretty badly. I, I didn't bring anything like an ace bandage with me, but I think I can cut up a sleeve from my blouse and, and bind it. It worked, but I ended up needing both sleeves to make it so I could walk without too much pain. Oh, I'll step outside in a moment, but... Just in case there are more gunmen outside, let me... Let me finish this entry. It's extraordinarily hard to realise the extent of this catastrophe. I was never much on history, but I paid enough attention to know that always before, in the worst of human plights, little nodes of cooperation and unity had continued to exist. What keeps happening to me is that... While I can visualise well enough the disjunction taking place immediately around me, as soon as I try to apply the principle to a, a wide scale, my, my mind slips back into its habitual expectation of organisation and, and mutual action. And I can't say for sure if that'll ever be the case again. <sighs> okay. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm going to risk opening the door. Here goes. <laughs> Sergeant Ma of the People's Army. Reporting on the insidious actions of our eternal enemy. I make this report on my own volition. 
in hopes that my superiors may find it and be able to take proper retaliatory action. Yesterday, the new platoon of recruits arrived, and to my mind, they seemed a very promising lot. They had a short, stocky, well-set-up build I like to see in a soldier. And they were willing. Each one seemed eager to learn. They had beamed all over their faces when I told them about a plan for their military education. Soon, they would master the thousand signs. They formed into a single column on a drill field, and I barked the command, Number off! They got as far as twenty, but the next man did not know what came next. I had expected such a difficulty and supplied the ensuing numbers myself. They would learn soon enough. Yesterday, they had got only to seventeen. Next, I commanded, Right address! And they obeyed, a bit haltingly, but I saw that they were a sharp lot. After some additional drilling, I put them at ease and began to lecture them. The first duty of a soldier, I said, is obedience. The sage tells us that the excellence of things is their undoing. But in a people's army, excellence is the ultimate goal. From drill, we learn obedience. This is why we do it. Shoulder arms. Column of four. Pull much. The recruits moved into place with jerky, trotting steps, but with serious intent. Talk with them had done them good. They were trying harder than yesterday. <laughs> with each step the recruits took on the dusty drill field, the dry dust rose. I was seized with a terrible sneezing fit, pressing my fingertip to my upper lip to stop the sneezing. I peered through the dust cloud at the men. All the bones of my face began to ache. I gave the command, Column right! And the column made the turn. But then, to my complete stupefaction, they all began to run, dropping their rifles in the dust. They spread out in a fan shape. If one man fell, another behind him swerved away automatically, without touching him. I stood there astonished at their desertion, at the same time found this mutual avoidance to be quite remarkable. As the last man disappeared from my sight, I could do nothing but shout, Dismissed! It was a desperate attempt to regulate an unregulatable situation, I admit. I stared up frantically at the sky, hoping to see some clue in it as to what had happened. But the sky was quiet, blue, serene, and empty. There was not even an aircraft. Even now, I doubt my own eyes, wondering if I had dreamed the entire event. But I distinctly remember the discarded rifles all over the drill field. And I am afraid of what may happen next. Anything, anything could happen now. How far have I gone? 
maybe a quarter of a mile. Oh, it's taking longer because I keep sensing the presence of others. And... Oh, I have to avoid them. What's that down the street? Not another rifleman. Oh, this guy's got a Tommy gun. Two people down, probably dead, or, or he'd be further away. Oh, what to do? What to do? What to do? I could detour around him, but he'd probably start shooting at me anyway. I could use a gun, frankly. I wonder how close I could get before he noticed me. I still have the bottle of chloroform. to risk it. <laughs> right at his feet. <laughs> now to play the waiting game. Okay. I hope my shirt works as a filter. I'd hate to pass out next to that guy. <sighs> Jesus, my head. Being close to even an, an unconscious man causes pain. <sighs> Will I ever be able to think normally again? <sighs> I think this is far enough away. Time to rest for a bit. Well, a long time then. And then I'll have to make my way to the projector building. Rebecca Collie, resuming my recorded observations as I approach the structure that houses the repulsion beam projector. It is contained inside a small two-storey building that had once been a, a local substation powerhouse in a residential district. I am approaching the powerhouse now and see signs of a pitched battle. There are signs of grenades and flamethrowers having been used, illuminated by the the full moon, scorched, maimed and, and bullet-ridden bodies lay strewn in the, in the dooryard. But, uh, this must have happened some time ago because everything is now quiet. The, uh, the bodies as I pass them bother me very little. The building is, is dark inside and the projector does not seem to be operating. Not that it's necessary. One burst for a minimum period should have been enough. Um, what was it I wanted to do? Yes, um, this week, last week, to oh, some day, not today. Oh, what's wrong with me? I think. Yes, <clears throat> yes, uh, yes, I found that uh, a certain sequence of frequencies from the projector tended to undo the so-called polarisation effect on the nerve cells. At least I, I had observed a reversion to normalcy in one of the rhesus monkeys and, and microscopic examination of the animal's brain had confirmed it. It's not much to go on, certainly, but, um, well, I, I would have liked to make more tests. But, um, yeah, there, there isn't time for that now. Right now I, I have to just get in there and, and see what I can do.
Anybody home? It's too, too quiet. Almost. There's um, some man silhouetted against the moonlight coming in through the window. Oh, well, no wonder he missed me. His, his right arm's bandaged up and, and he's shooting with his left hand. Oh, I don't want to shoot him. I'm not that good a shot and I might, I might miss and damage the projector. Come out. Come out, I won't, I won't hurt you. I, I want to try to fix things up. If, if you'll let me, I'm... I'm going to stop this mess. Spy! You spy! Dirty goddamn spy! You leave me no choice. shorted in at least three places it's oh, you, you dirty son of a why did you okay let me see let me look there might there might still be hope maybe maybe something can be fixed no first antiphase ended today. I've come back to the place I was when it began about a week ago, um, a deserted tavern in Georgetown looking for the alcohol my body seems to absolutely crave. The uh, bourbon bottle I found in the Pentagon stairwell hadn't lasted very long and, and someone else had already smashed open the doors to this place so I came in to see what might be left behind. It seems um, many others I was soon to learn had been here before me. Still, there was a single bottle of gin that had fallen behind the bar and I poured myself a, a tall glass. Trying to prevent myself from, from gulping it, I ended up tilting the glass nearly vertical to get the last precious drop. I set the glass down and became aware of uh, peace, almost a, a harmony within my brain. At first, I attributed it to the gin, but soon the feeling got stronger, turned into a, a hunger, drive, a necessity. I was so glad for this new feeling. It allowed me to hope that this new phase might mean the beginning of a new normalcy. As if driven by some instinct, we met. About 500 of us survivors in the huge open parking lot that the Pentagon provided for its military and civilian staff. Many of the cars were still there, filmed with dust, spotted with rain and abandoned, but how we all clung together in our newfound friendship, our aching need. The rich clung to the poor. All of us, regardless of race or, or of status, groped for each other, proclaiming aloud how much we loved each other. We, we suffocated, we held on tight, we, oh, we couldn't let go. How could we when we needed each other so? Well, well, that antiphase ended, and with it came the new repulsion. 
more severe than the first. I barely escaped with my life and um, I came back here to find find something to drink. Your water... Water is scarce now. Food too, but um, I don't seem to be hungry, even though I've apparently lost a, a great deal of weight. But oh, I miss the luxury of a bath. I want to be immersed to the chin in water. Generous, ungrudging water and, oh, and let it soak into my pores. I want gallons and gallons of water to drink. <laughs> End recording. Recording saved. Please choose from the following selection. One, record post. Two, random The young light-hearted masters of the waves and snatched his rudder and shook out more sail and day and night held on indignantly over the blue midland waters with the gale betwixt the Surtees and soft Sicily to where the Atlantic raves outside the western straits and unbent sails. There, where down cloudy cliffs through sheets of foam shy traffickers, the dark Iberians come and on the beach undid his corded bales. Trying, trying to describe the current antiphase. What is it? The, the third, the, the fourth. I'm, I'm trying to, to count through the events of the last month or months, whatever it was. A, a meaningless jumble. I have made it back to my lab in the Pentagon. My, my digital recorder, what I'm, I'm recording on now, went dead, and and then the, the charging cable had been left behind. So. When I got there, I, I found water in a carboy. A few precious inches of water. It was foul, but I, I had the means to filter it and, and fill the glass. I hadn't even finished drinking when I, I felt the tightness, the peculiar feeling in my brain that told me a, a new antiphase was setting in. Oh, how I hated the thought, but I, I couldn't resist it. I ran here to this aircraft hangar as if following a beacon. Hurry, 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 my, my mind was singing as I ran. You, you love them so. It's taking all my will not to, to jump into the middle of the pile of people. There were fewer this time than in the last antiphase. It must have been about 200 bodies in the last one, but here I, I see only about 80 left. We're clustered together like bats in a cavern, like, like bees in the winter time. If it were possible to use this phase somehow, to use it to rebuild all that has been destroyed, to, to put a stop at least to, to what was still going on, use it, but, but how? What are you doing? Oh, nothing, nothing. You look familiar to me. Do we know each other? I'm not sure. It, it's possible. My... My brain isn't working as well as it used to. My, my memory is, is unreliable. I... Yes. Isn't... Isn't it wonderful being all together again? Now we're more than we were separately. We're the group. Yes, yes. You know, this isn't like the other phases. Something new is happening. Do you feel it? We're really going to become just one person this time. All of us. Just one. I've been thinking much the same thing, but but when I hear you say it, it doesn't sound like lunacy. Maybe if we try hard, that one new person can fix things. He'd be wiser than any of us separately, wouldn't he? I can't stand much more of this. Yes. Yes, yes, let's try. Uh, I'm sure you're right. We'll, we'll try. Tell the person next to you. Listen, why don't we try to work together? We can really be one. If we this try time. hard to, to pass make on the support. idea. Listen, we're, we're gonna, to, we're gonna to really work one, together. We can, we can be 
try we to. We can be really just one person. Help, um, We're going to be much be better, better, much better than than separate one. individuals. We can't do it alone. As the man and I spoke to the others, the news went buzzing around the cluster of bodies and struck inward. They all heard it. They all agreed. Then the man turned to me and said, Do you feel it? At the back of your skull? New circuits. A new type of consciousness. I'd wanted to answer him, but I couldn't get the words out. In that moment, it seemed that new regions, new dimensions were opening in my brain. So... Strange. It felt as if explorers had touched the dark continents within my skull and established cities there, and I wasn't alone. The minds of those in the group were flowing together to make something unheard of. Our wills had coalesced to a single idea, and what we would be making would be able to solve with almost godlike ease what we had been unable to solve in our miserable isolation. In that moment, I felt my identity leave me, and for a moment, I was terrified. Who was I? What would I become? At first I struggled, but then, then I was caught up in a blazing unity. My last conscious thought was of a prospect of gigantic delight. we are getting further away from it. This, then this is the effect of that last antiphase, the, the last repulsion and an impulse to build the power towers that would drive Earth away from the other planets and its home star, the, the sun. Oh, God, I am too tired for it to matter. It will get colder. And colder on earth, everything will be finished, the seas will freeze, and then, uh, at last, uh, the air, oh, it's all over, but it doesn't matter. The only thing that matters, the one vital thing that still vexes and eludes me, is who is
Yes, I'm back from the disco. A body can only take so much bougie-woogie before her hips give out. <laughs> also, what did you think of our foray into the future? No, there's no moral. So I'll just let you draw your own conclusions. As gruesome as they may be. <laughs> our story was called The Theory of Mutual Repulsion, the seventh episode of The Cellar. It was adapted by Pete Lutz from a story by Margaret St. Clair. And I, of course, am your hostly ghost, <laughs> your ghostly host, Cadavera Quivery. <laughs> So, until next time, fiends, remember, don't take candy from stranglers. <laughs>Why do you look so down? Aw, Dad, I got a computer, a PlayStation, and a barn full of iguanas, and I'm still bored. <sighs> Gee, Billy, when I was your age, I would read lots of stories in pulp magazines. Oh, with stories of weird adventure and fantasy, horror, satire, and lots of action. Wow, that sounds great, Dad. Yeah, I sure wish there was something like that right now. <laughs> there is Daddy-O! Who are you? I'm Dr. Mary Von Rocksprocket, host of the Twisted Pulp Radio Hour, and now there's... Yeah? Twisted Pulp Magazine! <laughs> What's that, Doctor? Why, it is a return to greatness! Available on all your digital devices! That is what it is! Look! Whoa! Dad, this looks awesome! Exciting and, dare I say it, 
Very unwholesome. You definitely have that right, my good man. Ha ha! Thanks, Dr. Mary. My pleasure, Billy. And just between you and me, I am not sure that this man is really your father. Bye. Dad? Uh, uh just read your Twisted Pulp magazine, Billy. Twisted Pulp magazine, available in dark alleyways behind meth labs everywhere or at digitalvaudeville.com. That is D-I-G-I-T-A-L-V-A-U-D-E-V-I-L-L-E dot com!